And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. On some levels, it's been relatively quiet. The Chiefs haven't traded away any longtime cornerstones of the franchise since the last edition of Time Zars here on The Athletic. So that's a good thing, I think. I'm Joshua Briscoe, <laughs> Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser. The gang is all here. But also, I mean, the NFL news world, it, it just never stops. Like, as you look up at Twitter earlier today, as we were recording a little Time Zars on a Monday here, uh, and you find out, I'm just going to read you the terms, guys, because I think this, this is really going to shake up the entire league. The Eagles sent picks number 16, 19, and 194 in, a, in the, uh, the sixth round there to the hmm. Saints in exchange for number 18, number 101 in the third round, number 237 in the seventh, and then also a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. I have no doubt that both of you and all of our listeners at home followed that flawlessly, guys. Is the NFL ever going to recover? I mean... One seismic move after another, but look, uh, what are the Saints doing? <laughs> can can I just ask a question? Uh, look, we know the Eagles like to just trade picks like Uno cards at this point, uh, but the Saints, I mean, oh, 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 all right, fellas, sure, I mean, look, everybody looks at the Tyree Hill trade, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. And they just say, look, I need five picks. Five is the minimum now. We must, we must <laughs> go on from this day forth. I, I, I might do you a favor and do four, but I, I want five. I, I need that seventh rounder. Yeah. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. Like, <laughs> I'm hanging up the phone if you don't give me. What was the number, Josh? 237? Two, yeah, 237. Well, look, Seth, I mean, it's obvious, I think, on April 4th, if you're the New Orleans Saints, you've got to lock down that 18th <laughs> yeah, overall yeah, pick. It's so important. That could be anybody. Like, this this is the type of thing that happens when you've been playing Monopoly for like half an hour, and everyone's kind of just, you know, landed on, par- on some properties and gotten some stuff, but nothing's really happened. <laughs> and finally, the most impatient of you is like, Hey, hey, you know what we ought to do? We ought to swap. Like, and then they just say, it just doesn't, it's so meaningless. Like, I'm going to give advice. The rarely seen career advice on Times Hours. Yeah, so rarely. I, you don't always have to be doing something. Sometimes <laughs> but, you can but, just like but, hang but, out. But Seth, I'm on my phone. Constantly. <laughs> I must be doing something. Like, yeah. Someone's got to. This is like the NFL. Like it depends on your job. Because, you know, some jobs they're like, hey, you got time to lean. You got time to clean. And you better go grab a broom or something. But like, I don't think that's an NFL GM job. Like, could they not have started sweeping the halls or something? Like, it, this is just like this. That's really what it is. Like two people were on the phone. They were like. Wow, man, yeah, how, how's the family? Oh, yeah, did you see the Lost City? Oh, yeah, it was hilarious, you know. Did you Jenny hear about Tatum, what, he's back. 
Did you, you hear know? what happened to Dan Snyder? I mean, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, do you have any emails from Dan? Delete those. Holy crap. You know, <laughs> and then just like at the end of it, it's like, oh, man, how do we write this off as like a business call or whatever? <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, I guess we could trade some picks that really don't move the needle at all in terms of what we do. One of them is from 2024. Like, I don't know. That's just my advice to people. Like being active is great. Being meaninglessly active is like, you're just creating work. Like, you know, like some poor intern or whoever has to do data entry on this stuff. It's like, guys, why? Like what, what, what's the point? And think of all the mock drafts that are now ruined. Ruined ruined on our website. (laughs) You mother. Look now it's a little inside journalism. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are officially into not one round mock drafts, not two Mm -hmm. round mock drafts. The athletic is back, baby, with seven (laughs) round mock drafts to which some of my, some of my colleagues worked on those. I'm sure diligently over the weekend. And then these two teams basically made everyone seven, seven round mock draft relevant. Look, I'm not an editor. Look, I know. Mock drafts are important. Yes, they're yes, yes, sir. In the back, I, I see your hand. Yes, there will be a Chiefs. There will be yeah. a Chiefs seven round mock draft from yours truly. Will I make twelve selections? Well, keep listening to the episode, young sir. But <laughs> to Seth's point, it's a Monday. <sighs> it's Monday. We like, got come back to work. Uh, Just I mean, relax. But I've had little. four. But I've had four coffees, and like, <laughs> I don't want to go home without some picks. So, like, look, do you want the sixteenth pick or not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just... And that—that's all it takes. And then you know, someone's like, you know, I kind of do. You know, I mean, and that. And hey, who knows? I'm sure one side ends up w- winning this trade wildly, and the other side ends up losing it. And you know what? That's going to be pure, unadulterated luck. Yeah, that's all. That's all yeah. it's going to be. It's not going to be because they had these different picks. They're throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's the draft by and large. And your mock drafts are fan fiction for dudes. Yeah, that is one of my favorite, my favorite tweets of all time. Oh, so good, oh, man! Oh, if he could, if he could just slide two more <laughs> spots to eighteen, or 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 we could move up two spots, and he could fall right into like, my bosom, <laughs> right into my football right. bosom. <laughs> That's anyway. And look, I enjoy the draft, especially now this year that the Chiefs have like a crap load of draft picks. The more I look at it, the more I'm like, yeah, well, I, I don't really want the Chiefs to trade away draft picks. But then I was like, well, they, what if they traded away a second? I'm like, wow, they still have a second and two thirds and two firsts. Mm-hmm. Dang. So that's that's fun. But also just this is this is another analogy is the fantasy trade where, you know, in fantasy football, where some dude sends you this mindless offer after week two. Yes. And you're like. Like, it doesn't involve any injured players or nothing. They're just tinkering. They're just having fun. But these guys are managing multi-billion dollar businesses. Like, you can't just have fun with that. Well, apparently you can. So what do I know? (laughs) I guess I could trade Devonta Freeman for Tyler Higbee. Yeah, why why wouldn't I, I guess? I don't know. I'm afraid afraid by doing that, I'm enabling decision-making like that. So I say no to stuff like that on principle. 
Good, as you should. Well, look, uh, uh, along the lines of uh, saying no to things uh, along the lines of principle, Brett Veach's principle is that this defense will absolutely get no better before the NFL draft. Am I right? I should laugh, but like, (laughs) oh, should we do it now or in like 10 minutes? No, Uh, let's do it. I feel feel like we have bleeped around for an appropriate period of time, and I I really do want to know what you guys think about, you know, where where we were at a week ago, where we're at right now, where we're going to be in a week. No, no, we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna do something that we're doing on Mar on excuse me April fourth. We're only doing this on April fourth. Everybody understands that the draft has not happened, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and based on the decisions that were made during free agency, yes, you can look forward to the draft at it as it relates to the Chiefs' defense. Um, Josh, can you tell me who the starting? Four men are oh. up front for the for the Chiefs defense right now. I'm sure Chris Jones is one of them. Uh, Frank Clark, <laughs> Frank Clark restructured his his deal. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna give you a quote from Andy Reid that uh, he told me last week at the owners meetings. But can you tell me who the other two uh, potential pass rushers said the edgers are? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's so important. You got Chris Jones in the middle, and I just don't think we could spend enough time talking about Chris Jones. So Chris Jones is there. So you got Chris Jones. <laughs> yep. Who, 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 by the way, wants to be a chief for life, has put that yep. on put that on Twitter. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy that he said that less than a week from Tyree Kill being traded, but <laughs> <laughs> these are the facts. People are dropping out here. <laughs> Yeah, so Chris Jones is there, and that that's that's huge. Um, if I've mentioned mentioned Chris Jones yet, they brought back Derek Naughty. You know, little you got got your two downs there in the middle. Yeah, I uh, mentioned that they restructured Frank Clark. You know, is he a starting caliber defensive end at the NFL level? We could say he's a number two. Uh, we could say maybe he's a mid to low end number two defensive end, and you know, behind him you got Mike Dana, Josh Kando. I mean, there's a you know maybe a three, maybe a four. Um. <laughs> But I guess kind of who's the other starting defensive end? Um, uh, hmm. Now, look, I know everybody's saying, what about Melvin? Willie Ga- I bet Willie Gay's got some decent bend. Well, everybody's <laughs> got to be like, what about Melvin Ingram? I mean, Melvin Ingram, right? I mean, can we talk about Melvin Ingram? Now, look. Sure, after training camp. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, tick, tick. Tick, oh, wouldn't you know, it's August 13th and they've already played a preseason game. Yeah. But you said the end of camp? Wow. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Chiefs, and, and obviously I don't think teams are allowed to do this, but man, couldn't they at least like get him to sign a contract so we all feel better? <laughs> but the conditions are you don't have to go to training camp because if Lord knows other veterans wouldn't look for it. Yeah. Then. Like that, that's, I mean, Melvin Ingram is like, I played well in your system, you know. But but what? So, if, but like unless what if, unless they if, offer him like he can't say no to it, money. Right. He's just gonna hang out, and and it's gonna make me crazy. Um, I, I can't like the defensive end thing. I could argue right now they don't have a starting caliber defensive uh-huh. end on the roster. Yeah, I, I think like, I think I think Josh was trying to uh, to to assert that into the conversation. Yes, you know, yeah, I guess and, I'm and getting Nate's voice. That's how I feel about the defensive yeah. end position. Is going Frank Clark is like 28, 29. Yeah, yeah it's shocking. He's younger than Zedarius Smith, I think, right? Yes. Yeah, by, by a couple years younger. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it, he just hasn't put it, like, let's say uh, maybe Frank Clark takes that string of three or four games last I year. I can't. Like that Seth, I can't. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> 
I, I'm so look, man. I'm Come really on, trying Josh. not to interrupt as much on this show, but I feel like right now I have to interrupt on behalf of the listeners because if we spend five minutes trying to talk ourselves into Frank Clark DE1, I feel like we're betraying <laughs> the trust of our beloved audience. That's that's fair. No, but no, I, the defense is stressing me out. Like people are talking about the offense, and right now I'm going through wide receivers because I think. They're obviously looking for another wide receiver mm-hmm. and it may, I may or may not be trying to, you know, jinx the chiefs into trading for a veteran receiver. It worked last year with tackle. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I picked for the know your draft crush series. And then, you know, in like two weeks, they're going to trade for a veteran wide receiver. And I'm going to say, boy, there's hours of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> but everyone wants to talk about that stuff, but like the offense was still really good last year. And the defense was, it had like a really good stretch for like six games against middling quarterbacks and Dak Prescott. Yep. And then, and and Hey, their performance against Dak was awesome. They were, they played really well, but now they're just like, you know, what's a real priority for us defensive line. And then it's like, okay, that's great. And Right now, that one of my favorite judges to appear in front of, he's always telling people, he's like, so what's the plan? How are you going to not end up back here in front of me? And they're like, oh, I really want to go to treatment. He goes, that's not a plan. That's a wish. And every time, wow. and, and every time I'm like, oh, that's so mean and accurate. But yeah. that's, I feel like right now, I'm sure they have a plan, but right now it feels like a wish and it's making me tense. No, I ladies- think so. That's perfect. I, and I'm going to just let you explain everything here, Nate. But let, yep. I do want to do that real quick. I'll, I'll give a little – a quick amount of, of scene setting here. So they have they have signed Jermaine Carter. They have signed Elijah Lee. You've, you've probably got your your one, two, three, four there among those mm-hmm. linebackers but behind w- Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Um, yep. There might be room to upgrade there. But I, as far as I can tell, I guess people feel relatively confident in Jermaine Carter. Is that fair from your, like, feeling, Nate? Yeah, that that is your third linebacker as of right now. Um, I guess things could change uh, through the draft. Although I don't think anybody would say linebacker is like you know towards the top of the <laughs> of the selection. Watch them take a second linebacker I in the do. second round. Again. The, I would have said that last year too, probably. And for the third straight year, we take a linebacker with the second round pick. I mean, have to um, look now. You know, there could be some positional inefficiencies that you may want to exploit uh we would suggest that in the third and fourth round but yeah i think this is the plan uh ben neiman is still circling y'all i know Mm. um ben neiman is still available still an option so you could think of him as well um not sure what's going to happen with dorian o'daniel i know people have asked about him uh, but yeah, the linebacking core is probably linebacker and safety is probably where you feel most comfortable. Right. Um, but just a few quotes from Andy Reed in West Palm Beach at the NFL owners meeting last week. Now, these quotes have not appeared in the athletic. I don't know if they've appeared um, elsewhere. Because uh, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we get coaches not every day or every other day. You have to save things for later. Um, now let me let me tell you how this works. Because the last time I was at the owner meetings, fellas, it was in Arizona uh, in 2019. So the Chiefs weren't even Super Bowl champions at this point. Mm. So a lot has changed, but one thing has remained the same: coaches go through meetings about health and safety, the idea of what to do on special teams, uh, obviously research about helmets, trying to get more players to be 
um, modern and how they select their helmets, uh, understanding data from all sorts of things, soft tissue injuries, obviously head injuries, uh, figuring out the format for the postseason, which they've done uh, recently, but obviously reviewing those things. There's all these business meetings that people like, yes, team president Mark Donovan is a part of, along with Clark Hunt, the owner. And then, of course, they make decisions on what rules will be changed, such as like overtime and the idea that like now both teams are going to get the ball and now I won't go home until <laughs> 3 a.m. <laughs> in the but, postseason. In the postseason, but in the po- in, in late January. Um, so they do all these things throughout the day, which means that like we as reporters, we talk to the coaches very, very early. I mean, I got up before the sun rised last <laughs> Monday to get in a rental car to drive to the breakers, Google it. It's super nice. Um, and you're just like, oh, there's a lot of billionaires and millionaires in this room. And then there's me. So, <laughs> coach, um, glad I traveled all this way to get to talk to you, even though we both reside in the Kansas City metropolitan area. But now that I have your time, here was his quotes about Frank Clark to me uh, as I asked him. It's a, it's a two-part question. I basically said, hey, um, What's next for Frank in terms of you deciding to keep him at this point? And we all know basically it's it's an, it's another million dollars for his services versus cutting him and obviously eating $12 million. This is from Andy Reid. Quote, I really like Frank. He's got a good heart. I don't think this past year was his best year. But I know there's a good year in there. I think this offseason. Hey, hey, hey. I'm not done yet. No, I'm sorry. I think. I think this offseason will be very important. Let me let me repeat that so that everybody understands what Andy's getting at. Oh. I think this offseason will be very important. How he handles it, conditioning-wise, and so on. End quote. Can you tell us, fellas, what so on means? Because we know the conditioning standpoint. That was from the hamstrings. Obviously, he's got to deal with, uh, you know, nerves in his neck in the past. The idea that like he's not as prime of an athlete, but this offseason will be very important how he handles it conditioning wise and so on. And then I have the follow up quote uh, when you're ready, fellas. That was like, man, that that conversation, if my wife talked to me like that about my weight, I I would go on a keto diet. And intermittent fasting immediately because she's about to leave me. That's what, yeah, like it is. Like our marriage is on the rails, man. It is time (laughs) to quit working to be home every day at five. And whoa, oh man, oh I, I hurt. I felt that. Like I think he's got a good heart. Oh, he's got. I I really like Frank. He's got a good heart. I don't think this year was his best year, but I know there's a good year in there. You know, Old Yeller has a great heart, and you know maybe he's got a little longer left with us. But eventually, he's gonna have to go up to this farm upstate and also not get arrested this off season. It was my intonation on so on. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, Now, here's the follow up. Well, coach, and and I'm, you know, sort of paraphrasing my own question at this point, but but what I said to Andy was, you know, um all of this is a this is a business, and so there's a partnership element to it. But the way I posed it was, well, Frank kind of did you all a favor because 
this is just me. I still believe if he had gotten cut, he could still get eight to 11 million on another team. Mm-hmm. Um, but Frank decided to restructure it so that he could stay. And I said, he kind of did you all a favor because as we've now stated, we don't know who DN one is. Um, but Hey, as of right now, it's Frank. Uh, cause he did y'all a solid. Cause y'all want to eat 12 million. Guess not. Here's now Andy Reid. quote. He can still play. He's just got to have a good off season. He knows he didn't have his best year. He'll come in, have a good year this year and get a chance to either stay with us or move on. He understands the business. He's a smart kid. End quote. So I'd like to go back to earlier whenever I pretended that I didn't know if the Chiefs even had a starting defensive end number two. And I'm going to tell you that Andy Reid thinks his team needs two defensive ends. Yeah, that's like, dude, if you show up to training camp out of shape or like, I, man, that's like, that is not, that is not a vote of confidence. That is for Reid especially. That's like for when he's like, ah, he knows he didn't have his best year. That's like. That's that's about as much as you're ever going to hear Andy Reid basically flat out say, yeah, this dude didn't play well and he needs to be better. Did okay. your eyebrows singe, Nate? Did you make a face in person? <laughs> um, No, I just thought... You're a professional. Uh, yeah, I'm a professional. I'm a professional journalist, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, look at these hands. I know you can't look at them right now, but they, <laughs> oh, they were meant to type and uh, provide, hopefully, information that you find insightful and somewhat um useful in your in your free time. Now when I now there's there's a rule of thumb. When you're in the moment, it's tough because I'm listening, which obviously leads to the follow-up. So at least I'm like, mm-hmm. I kinda did my job well there. Andy Reid gave, you know, a further comment. And so it's like, okay, I only have so much time. In my own head, you've internally got to get to Tyron Matthew, Orlando Brown, Patrick, mm-hmm. Tyreek. You know, you're just bouncing around. What do you think about the, obviously, the rule changes? Uh, are you in favor of them and whatnot? Obviously, the Chiefs are because they got a great quarterback. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we go shootout for shootout. Like, like, make it the old West. We, we, we don't mind. And obviously, back when I was at the owner meetings in 2019, they were one of the first teams to really be like, we should really, like, make overtime a little more fair than just sudden death if we can't stop anybody um so what was interesting to me josh was to rehear the quotes again uh, through my recorder and really understand the inflection the tone and i hope that i've done a decent job of, of doing that here for our listeners um but this is it and this sort of confirms everything that we've set up until this point um and it's great that the coach does it in his own manner, but Frank Clark, who is smart when it comes to the business of this, bought himself another year. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and what he does with it is really up to him. Um, but I mean the fact that a coach has to mention the offseason and not coming from an injury, not not coming back mm-hmm. from a significant major injury, not an ACL, you know, this is not a Juan Thornhill situation where you're like, man, the offseason is really important so I can get back into a rhythm, back into a groove, feel his confidence um, in terms of what he can do from a physicality standpoint. This is, you've got to be more professional mm-hmm. is how I took it, knowing that, like, we're going to move on from you after the season more times than not. Uh, and so 
do good by us. We've done good by you. And we'll see what Frank does. Um, it's it's going to be a fascinating year for both Frank Clark and Chris Jones, in my opinion, um, for varying different reasons. But to know that these two are still on the roster, um, and I think people are fair to say, probably you, Josh, <laughs> is the idea that uh, is he is this tandem the best tandem in the division? Um, they're going to have to reprove it once again. But I just I take those quotes and I go, man, um, it's a lot different than where the Chiefs felt they were with him two years ago. Well, mm-hmm. the leadership he brings is so invaluable. <laughs> Sorry, that was as much as I was going to give on that one because I didn't want to actually start a fight. Not with either of you guys, but with uh, every single Twitter user. So uh, with with that being said, like that is – I don't know, Nate. I don't want to do a Hall of Fame. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and give you a, a Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore of quotes you've delivered that I've heard for the first time on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But there haven't been a lot that have single-handedly changed where I think the Chiefs are at on a player more than that because that is that one's a toughie um now 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 some people may be asking themselves well nate why haven't i read those quotes in the athletic.com well the way this is hopefully going to work is that you know these you know i'll provide the proper context similar to what we've done already here um and give (coughs) the reasoning to as what's going on with the with the team and as it relates to frank but the chiefs based on my understanding, and this is Monday, uh, late in the afternoon, that the hope is we're supposed to, reporters, the hope is that uh, Brett Veach will uh, speak to reporters on the record Mm. in some press conference later this week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, And so I want to hear from Brett Veach and from his side of the perspective in terms of the salary cap, the the understanding of they weren't players, um, or they weren't as big of a player as probably fans, wanted and maybe as much as we anticipated when it came to like pass rusher market. Um, and so there's a real urgency now to get a legitimate pass rusher in the draft. Um, and part of that is, well, was that plan set up the moment you guys decided to keep Frank Clark for basically an additional million dollars and what is going to be different about Frank this year than in, than last year. And it, in, in essence, it's the same you know question to Andy Reid, but I just want to get both people's perspectives. Considering that we're not going to get Frank Clark until probably later this month or into May when the team has its organized uh, OTA activities. So with all of that as the groundwork, Seth, you, you've got a piece up in the Chief of the North newsletter right now. If you were Brett Veach, part five, uh, it is the, I believe, the final installment pre-draft that we're looking for mm-hmm. here. Are you going to do a little if I was Brett Veach into the draft? I'm not. I'm going gonna, gonna to do a draft version once I get done with the Know Your Draft Crush series. Basically, what you're so going to see from me. This is the Empire Strikes Back in your original six. <laughs> yes, this is. Um, and so this is a, nothing could live up to that. Now I feel bad about how this article turned out, but yeah, I think I was it was OK. It yeah. So basically, it's the idea, you know, of resetting, kind of figuring out what they would do now that Brett Veach has taken my plan, lit it <laughs> on fire and then deciding that wasn't a dramatic enough gesture, actually shot it into the sun. Um <laughs> And so, and, and hey, there's multiple different ways to build a team. And what Veach is doing, gathering up some picks, the resetting stuff. I mean, I get that. I get it. I really do. I feel better about the Hill trade now than I did a couple weeks ago. Mostly because, you know, as humans, that's what we do. You know? <laughs> yeah, because because you've gotten to the later stages of the uh, grief. Yeah. I'm in acceptance. And, you know, depending on how they do with this draft, 
this could end up being like a holy crap foundational type draft, whatever. Great. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Let's let's do that. But with where they're at right now, you basically they, I, I kind of wanted to reset. Okay, well, what I do if I reach now? And the draft is fun to talk about, fun to look at. I'm going to try to get to some uh, edge rushers as well because I think that's a route they're going to go, or at least defensive linemen. But in the meantime, there's still a 2022 season. Mm. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, this offensive line, Travis Kelsey, and you've got a pair of other good receivers in MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, you've got a good weapon in McCole Hardman. Like, you've got the makings of a really, really good offense, and that's if they don't add another soul. Mm. If they add another dude, they could have a really, really great offense. They they actually could have a really, really great offense as things stand right now, depending on how everyone shows out. Mm-hmm. And the defense, man, it's like... Holy crap. Like every time I look at it, I'm just like, what is the plan here? And so what I wanted to do was just kind of look at, okay, we know that the Chiefs are trying to get younger. They're trying to build for the future. How do you do that and still maximize your contention possibilities in 2022? And so basically that's what the article was. Kind of trying to figure out a way to have our cake and eat it too. And really not miss a year of contention. Because that matters. Yeah. But also not lose the newfound flexibility they have. And so that was my goal heading into that. Well, and you make the point here that like you, you get more specific in this version also because you, it's because you have fewer options. Mm-hmm. Like the, the way that you can improve on April 4th is very different than how we were talking about this team on March 4th and what they could do. Uh, it's right. been a big month that, where they haven't solved these things. So stick with Edge, if you would, at the beginning here. Like you, you've got a couple of ideas and again, I, we don't have to spend we don't have to spend a tremendous amount of time talking about Melvin Ingram or any of these any of these particulars. But if you look at how you want to stabilize this defense before the draft, where do you start looking at the edge? Um, Melvin Ingram is where I'd start, but unfortunately, he's a dude that's probably not going to sign a contract for a while, and I get that. I'd bring up Jadavian Clowney, but the Chiefs we've talked about this before. Like I've never even heard a whisper that the Chiefs are interested in Jadavian Clowney. So I kind of wait, but like why? I don't, I don't know. And so I ignore him it's a, because it's, it's a preference. Yeah. Which I, you know, I mean, Hey, you know, no. my preference, not starting Mike Dana. That's my preference. <laughs> no, if it's Mike Dana, I like you, Mike Dana, just wouldn't and, start you. And that's, you know, Sorry if Mike Dana's that, family is listening. Really? He was just the next guy up. He really caught us straight. Really isn't about Mike Dana. Right. Yeah. So Mike, Mike Dana is a rotational player that they've yeah. drafted and have developed very well. But yeah. when you're trying to win a Super Bowl, like he has a role, let him, let him yeah. play in that role. Yep, he's a he's a 20, 20 to 25% of your snaps guy. And he'll do well with those. I like Mike Dana. He's a guy sorry, you want I, on your team. No, you want, I made it about Mike Dana. You should keep yeah, talking about the yeah, edge options. Sure. Anyway, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. I really I just I really don't want to be an anti-Mike Dana guy. Now it's now someone's gonna cut me saying I'm anti-Mike Dana. Dang it, now it's Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just keep digging, my friend. Um so I uh so what I did is I kind of looked around the league and what you're looking for are stop gaps. You know you need to draft a couple guys on the defensive line, at least two, maybe three, because you need to hit. And also, low-key, Brett Veach's track record on defensive linemen in the draft, not terrific so not far. Not bad. And well, now, so, now, 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 fair to him, not a top 15 pick. Also true. And they are, in my opinion, also, also fair. Also, everything fair, to, I see, also fair to Seth. How many top 15 picks do the Chiefs expect to have? Yeah. Zero, right? Okay. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And the the thing that 
they do um, constrain themselves to like a certain quote unquote type. I just did air quotes sitting here in my office alone. So that was cool. <laughs> but, and to me, like that type, it's like, you know, they want a certain length. They want a certain weight. And it's consistently seems to be dudes that don't have burst and bend. And I, it, it, it feels like they're limiting themselves a little bit. I feel like they're impressed with certain things like heavy hands in particular that don't even always translate necessarily. Like if you got heavy hands, but you can't bend around the edge, offensive tackles in the league are too good. They'll just hold up against you because they're bigger than you. It's like, oh, this dude's got really heavy hands for a 255, 260 pounder. It's like, uh-huh, but he's up against a 310 pounder. And if that dude has no fear of him beating him around the edge, it's not going to work out. Be that as it may, there are guys, because here's my goal, make it through 2022. Don't take a step backwards in the pass rush. You can do that in theory by getting Melvin Ingram. And then there's a few other guys that are out there. They're kind of band-aids, right? They're guys that can keep you from having to give significant playing time to guys who really shouldn't be on the field, which is what I'm afraid is going to happen. They're going to draft like three dudes. They're going to have to play a bunch of them a bunch of minutes just because there's no one else there. That to me, you, you it's got to be, you you know, the the what used to be the Dan Sorensen rule before Dan kind of fell off a cliff a little bit in 2021 was you must at least be borderline competent to competent to get on the field, right? Can I tell you who the new Dan Sorensen is? Oh Lord, have mercy on us! I've, uh, Wait, I've this listened, is a huge moment. I've listened to some Chiefs podcasts. Look, I look, I I I see what everybody's out here saying. Uh, I appreciate listening to everybody. Uh, shout out to my guy Nick Jacobs on fourth and one. <sighs> see everybody. See, I saw everybody kind of celebrate when Dan Sorensen went his way to the the Big Easy. Um, which is which is what they're gonna call it whenever whenever <laughs> Tom Brady targets him. See, I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> the new Dan Sorensen, and he didn't ask for this. He didn't at all. This is just the way it works. It's an assembly line. Sometimes they bring you out. You done played the position. You already got a year under your belt. They don't know you unless oh, they like God. really looked at you last year. And when they did, I mean, his name is Zan Anderson. Okay? It's li- he's literally the next Daniel Sorensen. He's like, the I next Daniel like, Sorensen, guys. He I is the sequel. It's not like he's a reboot even. Like it is so close to the original, it's crazy. Can I can okay. I just can I just tell you a little a, just a little bit about Zane Anderson, who was from BYU, who plays safety, 6-2-205. Did you know he played running back at Stansbury High School? Look him up, y'all. Uh hey. Okay. He also ran track. Hey, hey. He was he, all state second team in the Salt Lake Tribune. Oh, of course. I mean, it's perfect. Look, look, look. You gotta be this good to be the next Dan Sorensen. That's all I'm saying, okay? Okay. He was first in state for track in the four by one, 100 meter, 200 meter in the Metley relay, okay? Utah's very own. Zane Anderson, y'all, he is the chosen one to return order to the rebellion that is the Chiefs secondary. I'm so angry. I'm honest to God afraid I'm going to hurt myself right now. (laughs) 
Like, I just like, you know what the difference is between Zane Anderson and Dan Sorensen, at least Dan Sorensen circa a few years back? I was going to say about 15 years. (laughs) Is that Dan Sorensen made good plays sometimes too. And really clutch good plays. We, We are not that far from removed from us going into playoff games, like AFC championship games, Super Bowls, knowing there was at least, there was a coin flips chance that Dan Sorensen was going to be the reason they won. Like, you knew, you knew. It was always Dan. Look, 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 in 2014, Dan Sorensen played nine games, so a little bit more than Zane Anderson. Obviously, the Chiefs were nowhere near as competitive as they were. Now in 2014, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so let's just let's just let's just acknowledge the facts as they are. In 2014, Dan Stormson was on the field. He was in uniform. Let me repeat that. He was in uniform for nine games. He has seven tackles, and that was it. But you know what? He kept grinding. He kept rising. He kept believing. His grit. Ladies and gentlemen, well, we saw it in 2019, okay? He a world champion. You cannot take oh, you cannot take anything away from this man, okay? And then he That's followed, true. And then he followed it up in 2020 with arguably the best season of his career, and it ain't going to get any better. 15 games, 11 starts, six, three interceptions for 67 yards, including the touchdown, 50-piece on him. Uh, yes, it was the Broncos who were, you know, the Broncos. Uh, five pass breakups, two forced fumbles? Couple quarterback hits, couple tackles for loss. Very few people like Dan Sorensen as much as I do. I like Dan Sorensen. I, you know what? You know what? We're gonna go. But what do you know about I know cameras? Dan Sorensen. Dan Sorensen was a friend of mine. You, Zane Anderson, are no Dan Sorensen. Wow. Yet, yet, <laughs> yet, yet. See, and this is part of the thing. Like, where they're standing right now, they brought in a guy who looks like he could be a rotational third safety type, and a lot of people are assuming that's going to be his role. I think it might be Zane Anderson, so I've kind of stayed out of it. I This would all be fine, like the things they're doing up front, if they had a pass rush. But as things stand right now, they're going to have a worse pass rush than last year. And so that's why, to me, you've got to get a Melvin Ingram. You've got to call Carlos Dunlap. You've got to call Justin Houston, who will not take the call. No, he won't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, he won't. And by Nate, the way, real she- quick. Sorry. Real quick, Nate. Less likely to be a chief in 2022, Justin Houston or Jadavian Clowney? Uh, Jadavian Clowney. Oh, my goodness. Because at least... He- did he? Did he try to? Did he? Did he? Did he stone cold stun Clark Hunt in an event at some point, and I missed it? Okay, sorry. No, nah, they would have tried to monetize that. By now. Uh, uh, look, look. Um, they would have tried to gotten DT taxpayers to pay for that video. What? By now. What, what? What can I say that is reasonable for both the player, that being Clowny, and the organization that I am employed to cover? this goes back to the Houston tape. And so sometimes you can see a player in their first, with their first team on their rookie contract. And you could be like, you could just, you could just be like, I just, I feel like a hater. Like, I feel like a hater. Is this fair? Or am I a hater? But then the player doesn't give you any reason to not be a hater. I've known people like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? I hope I hope that's I hope that's reasonable for both sides. 
in in the in the lingo and that I'm trying to use that I'm definitely sure. trying to I'm trying to hit that slice shot just over the net keep it in play <laughs> I don't want to get anybody upset I don't want to get upset I don't want any rackets to be tossed but I gotta spin this thing on across the net and all I'm saying is Clowney is a capable player is mm-hmm. he an every down every game player well mm-hmm. there and lies the question yes. Yeah, and like so, like Frank Clark. I'm done. I'm sorry. Well, that Stop was it. before. That, you see, that yeah. was before. Yeah, that. He, that was before. You know, the 2020 season ish. Right. And the fact that like Clowney's name gets discussed for such a long period of time shows how slim the pickings are right now. It's a guy that we know they're not going to go after. You basically have you've got Melvin Ingram would be a great choice to bring back. Like he he's not a great player, but he was a good player last year. Probably be a good player this year. Carlos Dunlap. Not a great player last year, good player last year in, as part of a rotation. Mm-hmm. He's like a both-and kind of guy. Calius Campbell, not really much of a pass rusher anymore, but he's comp- he's good against the run. He's competent. You can put him on the field as part of a rotation. Justin Houston, honestly, take away the fact that I think he was pretty not thrilled with the front office when he left. He'd probably be their best option, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, he was competent last year. He had plenty of quarterback hits. And, but really, what I would do – you, you have to do something. You've got to grab a couple of guys, a couple of veterans that were competent pass rushers last year. And so you're going to need to buy low on someone. And so for me, it's okay. You bring back Melvin Ingram. That's okay. And then to try to raise the ceiling of it a little, I, I don't know why no one has signed Akeem Hicks. Because if you look at his film last year before he got injured, he can still play. Like really play. And that to me, that's part of the problem when we're saying names like this that all have questions. Mm-hmm. There's just no... Are there any guarantees? No. If if Hicks is healthy all year and Ingram came back and played, they'd probably have a pretty good pass rush all year. Yeah. Hakeem Nix is somewhat similar to the time. If they Matt- sign Hakeem Nix, that would be incredible. <laughs> I mean, Hicks. Jeez. Nix. Hakeem. I'm sorry. Oh, That's all right. I just wanted to correct you in a fun way. So many players to get names right, guys. It's so easier when you can just type them. Um, <laughs> But, yes, if... Uh, Akeem is in a weird situation where it's kind of like Tyron Matthew, where like that player should not still be in free agency, but they are. Mm. Um, and it's gotten to this point that you might as well um, try to get something done right before the draft. If a team feels like uh, based on their positioning, based on workouts, by the way, um, we're starting to get the workout situation where it's like, Hey man, my hamstring ain't feeling good. Can I like do this? Like, can I run in like two weeks? Um, you start <laughs> starting to get the situation like, okay, but like, how fast is the track, and can we make it faster? Uh, or the playing surface forever. So we're starting to get workouts, starting to get team visits. Um, obviously, teams are trying to gather as much information about the prospects as they can, and some sometimes that that information sways in favor of like, well, let's just get a proven guy that we know, i.e., Hicks. Or it's like, well, let's just go through the process. Keep us keep us in mind, but like, let's be a real priority come Cinco de Mayo uh, mm-hmm. after we see some of these kids in their first, you know, rookie minicamp practices. And hey, by the time you come in, we're not really asking for much until we get to the mandatory minicamp in June. Um, and so that's a that's a projected timeline that you could think about. Um, with Hicks, who would who would make sense because he does have some versatility to be both inside and outside yep. based on situations. 
Um, and so he he would serve he would serve a a good purpose with everything that we've laid out so far. But the Chiefs have twelve picks in the draft, and to my understanding, fellas, even with all the issues on defense, even though we don't know how the cornerback situation is going to shake out as much as yeah. the defensive end, they can't draft 12 players. It's it's impossible. So this gives Brett Veach the ability to do what he's always wanted to do in the draft is not be tied to anything, be flexible, have multiple pathways. And if you're a Chiefs fan that's like, I just don't like them moving up in the draft, well, I'm sorry – that's not who your general manager is. <laughs> that is exactly who he is. So, yes, you have two first-round picks. Yes, you have two second-round picks. Yes, you have two third-round picks. There's no way they're picking 12 players. And that will be a part of what I put on the athletic in terms of the seven-round mock draft is um, it'd be nice to have 12 players under rookie contract control, um, but that's not really viable. Um, and so – the Chiefs are going to move around in the draft. It'll be fascinating to see the decisions they make. But the only way to get a pass rusher, the only way to get a defensive end is to move up from 20 and 30. It's it's the only way. And so I think fans need to come to terms with knowing who your general manager is. As Seth mentioned earlier, the 2020 season, like within the context of what you're trying to do within that season, beyond just the the the, the full scope of the Mahomes era, as Josh has mentioned earlier, who is DN2? They 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 have to move up to get another quality player on the defensive line, particularly at the defensive end position. And those players don't really get outside of the top twenty that can start for you or be you know uh, reliable contributors as rookies. I just hate overpaying or even just paying to to fix your own mistakes. It just drives me crazy, um, and it's not how I like draft resources to be used. I also know who the general manager of this team is and what he likes. Like, I get it, but it it kind of bums me out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have the rest of the month to talk more about them moving up. You mentioned Corner, and I did want to talk about that for a second, and I wanted to get Seth where you're at on it. Also looking at a couple of veteran options and a couple of names that have been very heavily tied to the Chiefs on like Twitter and everything. Mm-hmm. Seth, give me give me a, a feeling on James Bradbury and Stefan Gilmore. And then, Nate, I want you to tell us how likely you think these options might be. Sure. Um, with with Gilmore and Bradbury, I've taken a look at them just a little because I try not to spend too much of my time on players that I have no idea if the Chiefs will get. Mm-hmm. Um not big into hypothetical time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've looked at both of them a little bit from last year. And both of them had had decent tape. I think Gilmore played better last year. Um, but he's older, right? So you never know when that when that cornerback just drop-off is going to come. And given the fact that he wasn't as good last year as he'd been previous years, it makes you think that he's in that like... Because we as cheese fans watch this happen with like Patrick Sertan and Ty Law. Right. Where you have like a year where you're still good. You're not as elite as you once were, but you're still good. And then the bottom just falls out mm-hmm. because that's a position where you can lose a step if you're a good player or a really, really good player. Gilmore was a really, really good player for multiple years, especially if you win a certain way and you're a smart player, all that stuff. But once you lose two steps at corner, you are done. You're cooked. And so that's a concern because you never know when that's going to happen. Um that said, if I'm the Chiefs, yes, sign him. And that's because what am I doing? What's the word? Oh, I'm panicking. I'm panicking. <laughs> and is that a good time to buy things? No, absolutely not. Yeah. But sometimes panic can be a good thing. Like when your car is careening towards a cliff, that is the time to panic at least just enough to take action. That's a good kind of panic. A panic that spurs you into doing something. Panic that makes you freeze, that's bad. Bradbury, interesting option as well. Um, he they, they had no talent on defense last year, and they didn't look that well coached either, but that's a whole other ball of wax. He's had elite tape. He's younger. He's a guy that you can trade for, get a one-year peek at him, and kind of see how things go. And in any event, like I said, I'm panicking because the Chiefs have two corners right now. That's the yes. other thing. Like we can talk about like defensive ends. Like, oh man, they got to draft some guys. Yeah, but they got to they got to hit on corner too. And like we are this close to needing to go into the season and saying, wow, we need two rookies to be really good at positions where historically rookies aren't that good. So this is the thing here, Nate. I'll I'll give the depth chart. You go. Why are you panicking? You got Lajarius Sneed and Rashad Fenton. 
And like right there, you have two guys <laughs> who have, I think you could say, have put their best tape down in the slot. Um, Sneed would, would bump into the slot whenever there were three guys out there, but Fenton also had shown some of his best stuff in the slot. And so you, you know, Sneed starts on the outside as one of the two outside guys. Well, Traverius Ward is gone. And then third up, you got to have at least three corners in the NFL. DeAndre Baker is third up and, you know, maybe there's some glimmer there, but he hasn't looked quite the same or given that much since recovering from his broken leg. And then if one of those guys isn't on the field, we're talking about Luke Barku, who they just added, or or maybe uh, maybe Devin. No, Devin Key's a safety. Isn't DiCaprio Boodle also a safety? Just a bunch of a bunch of those dudes, a bunch of stretch guys that you've heard of last year. Uh, it's a really thin depth chart, and also you know, once again, no offense to Legarius Sneed or or uh, or uh, Rashad Fitton or DeAndre Baker, not. Not like you have an ace at the top either. I, I like I like Snead a lot, but it's a thin group and not a top heavy group. Yeah, one team paid Traverius Ward fourteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I think when it comes to to the situation that the Chiefs are discussing right now, it's like, do you want to trade for? Because again, you have multiple picks. Um, do you want to trade? for a young receiver still on their rookie contract and sign Gilmore or because Gilmore wants, um, you know, he wants to be paid. Well, uh, don't we all like, <laughs> <laughs> like I get it. I get it. Stefan, like y- your name is wrung out and you want to be paid as such. That's, that's great. I don't know if the chiefs or any team is going to do it the way he would like at this point. Um, <laughs> And I do agree with Brett Veach when he told me at the combine, he's like, any any guy that you think's a second round grade at corner, put him in the first round because mm-hmm. it's that much of an important position. Any third round graded corner you have on your board, you might want to bump him up to late second round uh, because you can never have enough corners. <laughs> like it's a passing league for a reason, and corners are hard to find. And, and to you know Seth's point, um, not everybody's going to be Marcus Peters their rookie year. Um, so I think this is just what I think right now on April 4th, but I think, I think the team doesn't want to trade for both Bradbury and Terry McLaurin. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, important that I mention those two players and not the player you want. Sir or ma'am, I oh, prefer McLaurin. Personally, is that other player DK Metcalf? I didn't. Cool. I, I hey 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 hey. I, well, like, I said it. I said. I, it. I mean, but like, I wasn't even thinking about him, and neither should Chiefs fans. Um, all right, great, good. <laughs> hey, you know what? I feel better just because he'd be expensive as bleep. I, just on a side note, if the not Chiefs the were to trade for someone, not. Terry McLaurin would be a receiver that I would be maybe the most excited about. Because of the the versatility of his skill set. And well, and Nate, you mentioned. I mean, you you mentioned his name as the only one. Sorry to cut you off. I want to know why you like that fit. But he he has one more year on his rookie deal, and then he hits unrestricted free agency, and he's going to get paid. Like I don't. Yeah. I, he's not going to get right. Tyree Kill paid, but he's going to get paid. Right. Are you willing to give up a third round pick for that player? Maybe the lower of the third round picks, the compensatory pick, basically. McLaurin. Oh my goodness! I'd run to Washington to sign that. Is Washington dumb enough to make that move? Yes. I I hesitated less on that one than I did the first question. Well, well, hey, um 
we'll see we'll see if we'll see if this little snippet um has a greater significance after after the fact um but with everything that's going on uh they need to probably draft a corner with a high draft pick, Josh. It's going to happen. It's finally going to happen. It's finally the day. Now, it, I don't even want it anymore. That's the thing. It's like that you've been, you know, oh, hey, I want a pony for my birthday. I want a pony for my birthday. I want a pony for my birthday. Hey, I grew up. I don't want a pony anymore. I want cash. Well, what if the pony was Daxton Hill, who I took with the 30th pick in our athletic beat writer mock draft? Now, Daxton Hill has an S next to his name, but he. Byron Less would be the Chiefs' next nickel cornerback who is capable of being a safety. But as we mentioned earlier, uh, Deion Bush exists. Zane Anderson exists. Uh, so maybe Daxon Hill is your primary or your secondary, depending on how you feel about Fenton. Or I, I think Sneed's got to start playing on the outside uh, You know, for the majority of his snaps based on his length, his size, his, 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 his just his athletic ability. Um, but Daxon Hill is someone that has been – Near the Chiefs in every mock draft, if they don't move up, obviously. Now, I think if the by the way, if the Chiefs move up in the first round of the draft, you're they're trying to keep one of the two picks. They're either going to try to keep you know twenty nine or thirty. Um, now, sometimes you may be put in a situation where you got to package both to move up, and that's a decision that they're going to have to either make or or, or sort of um, you know bluff at basically from another team. Uh, but yeah, I just. I think cornerback will be taken care of in the draft. Um, from the Giants' perspective, uh, and you can read Dan Dugan's work at The Athletic, but he's been very clear in explaining in a very easy manner that the Giants ain't got no cap space. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they ain't got no money. Uh, they're in a different era of a rebuild or a different sort of wing of rebuild central. Um and as this new coaching staff gets more, I think, control of the roster, uh, Bradbury may not be around for that. And he's their he's their best asset for money in terms of the cap and sort of getting a, a better handle on it. Uh, how many years does he have left in his in his deal? Is it one or two years? Uh, I think he has two years left. Seth yes. had to bounce. And so I'll tell you again, if you want to read along and, and also look at some other stuff he did there. That's up there on the, the Chief of the North newsletter. Um, but yeah, Bradbury, I think I was going to see if he had the specifics of the numbers in this deal. Um, it's basically, I don't know. I'll find it on spot track here if I can't find it from Seth. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's two years, but I don't want to um, say something inaccurate. But yeah, like as as I'm talking through these things and as I have a general sense of, of where things stand right now, um, I think the question for Chiefs fans is, do you want to trade for a young receiver on their rookie deal, or do you want to trade for um, a cornerback who has talent, who's clearly capable, um, who's got maybe a year or two left on their rookie deal? And and that's the decision that um, will likely have to be made between now and like April 22nd would be my guess. This is the last year for Bradbury's deal also. So okay. there's not much in terms of – security there now again the, he's got a 13.4 million dollar base salary for the giants right now so you know and, they they wouldn't have to eat a ton of dead cap there yep but but, Three, but seven, restructure yeah right but could they in in sort of the von miller aspect how much are they willing to eat to get off of him mm-hmm. uh for future you know for just 
understanding their cash flow situation right now. And I don't want to get yeah. too into the weeds of the financial situation, but like some owners are like from a cash flow standpoint, uh getting to the cap is fine, but what if what if I don't want to pay the cap? Right. <laughs> right. So and so I I I understand that element along with everything uh that's going on from their perspective. So um yeah, I mean who who knows how this defense is going to look? But I think it's fair to say that if they draft seven players, if they draft mm-hmm. eight, and historically in the Brett Beach era, he's only taken six with him out of the door, um, six six prospects. So if they take seven or eight, I think it's safe to assume that the majority of those of the players selected in this upcoming draft will be on the defensive side of the ball. I also can't wait wait to get to the seventh round where they're just sitting there with currently four seventh round picks and features like, hey, anybody want to do the thing where you uh, give up a future sixth for this year's seventh? Like we used to do all the time. Like anybody want some of these seventh round picks? We're having a fire sale on seventh round picks. Anybody like one? We have a buyer's market because uh, you say they're not going to use all 12 and I believe you. If they use all four seven round picks, I think I will uh, have a cow. It just seems like, it seems like, or it's just your priority, you know, undraft the free agent section and and burn yeah. them. Yeah, and and you've just and you've uh, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but sadly, you know, the reason why the Chiefs don't pick in the seventh round is because those picks are players like Tershawn Wharton. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a draft pick next to their name but they were essentially a seventh round draft pick for the Kansas City Chiefs and they were just saying don't answer any phone call right. <laughs> between now and the end right. of the draft like just right. don't do it don't. <laughs> hey man we were at Missouri S&T was yeah. the fill in blank team there then don't answer any phone calls alright call us back at when, what time did, what time is the draft supposed to be over call us back at four o'clock yes that's good um, okay so Seth Veach piece up in the newsletter also took a look at Traylon Burks. I'm not going to spoil it for you at all, but uh, his first, that one's unlocked for everybody, by the way, Yes, uh, up in the newsletter. So go give that a look and uh, and see the first edition of Know Your, uh, know your Draft Crush for uh, Chiefs wide receivers. Interesting takeaway in this one that I feel like I could see about, about I don't know, halfway through. I went, oh, I know where Seth's going here. It's an interesting one. So go check that out. Uh, Nate, last thing that I want to make sure we had time to talk about um, is that I don't know if you're willing to restructure uh, to to, uh, to to restructure this whole show to take part on a, a different side of the state line. Um, I think you're technically on the Kansas side. I'm on the Missouri yes, sir. side. Yep. Seth is on the Seth's on the Minnesota line, <laughs> which is so far north. It's really shocking. Um, but you were out there at the owners' meetings, and uh, Mark Donovan decided to bleep around and say, "What about the Kansas Chiefs? What if we just dropped City?" He didn't say it that way, but um, he floated out the idea that the Chiefs are are listening to lots of options regarding the future housing of the team, um, both in the uh, the Truman Sports Complex area, potentially without a Kauffman Stadium next door, um, potentially to uh, the Kansas side, even. Walk me through what you heard there. I will um, I'll save all of my snark until after you've given us what you think. So, in essence... Uh, the NFL's owners meetings is really about business um, more so than player transactions. And it's one of the rare times in the year that uh, Mark Donovan, the team president is available to reporters. Um, We chatted both informally and formally, which basically means on the record, Uh, you know, because you, you you're mingling with so many people as they walk from meeting to meeting and you're trying to get an idea and a sense of like, what matters financially to the Chiefs right now? 
that is different than when it when I was there in 2019 or, or obviously future years that are coming upon. And I thought it was very interesting that Mark Donovan said that the Royals' desire to be downtown has now sort of engaged them in terms of thinking about their future. Um, now, if John Sherman, the new principal owner of the Royals, had decided, hey, Kauffman Stadium is where we're going to be. I love Kauffman Stadium. And I think he does. I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying he, he's against uh, the stadium, but but he also understands the business element as to, like, what is possible, that alluring, tantalizing dream of having a downtown ballpark in the city sort of jumping with the Royals being, you know, more competitive in future years. So there's a financial boom to be made there, one could say. You could argue that, hey, maybe a team downtown Kansas City won't work financially. And I can't necessarily say you're wrong. But the Chiefs see this and they know. They know Kansas is willing to risk it all. <laughs> they they are ready. Um, it's a time where as early as I would say 2029, 2020, 2030, 2031, that maybe the team is like, you know what? Our lease is up in 31. We can cut a check and we can start telling everybody we're going to be here. Now, from the Kansas standpoint, and I wrote it in The Athletic, and me and Mark talked about this a little bit, is what is going on at the Legends with the Speedway, with Children's Mercy Park, with the amount of shopping options. Obviously, there's a movie theater over there, I believe. Um the T-Bone, or excuse me, not the T-Bones, the, the, the new, the, the, new, the newly the, named, the, the yeah, current, yes, the, the newly named, Kansas, yeah, Kansas City Monarchs. Um, the current, the current on, on Kansas side, I said that out loud now, the yes, Riverfront yes, Stadium. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so, everything's over there, and then they would be the biggest thing. Yeah. And they could pick exactly where they want to build it, how they want to build it. And knowing that Kansas would do a lot financially to secure their arrival. And so what I said on Channel 41 Sunday Sound Off uh, last night was if Missouri fumbles any part of this, Kansas will scoop it up and run to the end zone. And so I, I think Chiefs fans need to really consciously tell themselves that in less than a decade, as I wrote, the Chiefs could be playing in Kansas. And that's just the way the business works. And as someone who is not a part of the of the organization told me, billionaires have to make billionaire decisions. And more billions could be in Kansas than there could be in Missouri. And that's something that Quentin Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, needs to come to terms with, in my opinion. Now, you, you try your best and you say, hey, if the if the Royals move downtown and that land is available on the sports complex and you can build next to the current Arrowhead Stadium and build a new brand new Arrowhead Stadium and then you can develop alongside that. I got to tell you, Josh, Mark Donovan did not seem uh, particularly pleased with such an idea mm. uh, when I talked to him and you can even read it in the quotes. I, I it. It it's floored me, um, and I and I wrote it. I put it at the end of the story for contextual reasons, and obviously to wrap it up. But last week, I mean, Mark Donovan's quote was, 
I think a developer would like to look at it and say yes, in terms of building around where Arrowhead Stadium is at the Truman Sports Complex. Quote, when you look at it from an investment standpoint, I'm not sure Independence, Missouri, is the best place to develop. Mm. Guys, where they play their games at right now? I mean, it's technically Kansas City. (sighs) Quote, it might be. But that's where the selling point across the state line is. You can pick your spot. Mm. Uh, billionaires have to make billionaire decisions. And sometimes it's not going to be what the fans want. It's going to go against what your father built. And Missouri's got to do a lot. Because the Chiefs have all the leverage in this situation. Here's here's my one little thing. There's lots of places you can read good supporting info on this. Oh, also, I was wrong. The the Kansas City Current will be on the Missouri side. The, that that Riverfront City. Oh, the soccer the team. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I couldn't remember. And then I think whenever I asked about the current, you took that as in the present and yes. not as in the name of the team. So I had <laughs> yes. to check that for myself. Yeah. Um. So over on the over in in New York, you're you're seeing 850 billion dollars pledged on behalf of the new Bills Stadium, and then you're also seeing 800 million dollars falling other places out of state spending. Um. You can you can go through. There are lots of good articles on this. I've retweeted a couple whenever this first started. That the the economic impact of having a pro sports stadium in your county is is not something that comes back around in terms of the economics for the county. The intangible things are are one element of it. Mm-hmm. And I understand that in a vacuum, everybody would want, uh, just about everybody, would want pro sports teams in their city. Yes. Um, Kansas City reps Kansas City very well. Uh, I, of course, I, I tell you, I'm, I live on the Missouri side. I'm in, in Jackson County, and I'm looking, and I wonder if, you know, we're all around here in uh, 10 or 12 years, if we're all paying for two pro sports uh, stadiums to be subsidized in this area um, because because that sounds expensive and I don't love it, but it's not just like, ooh, I don't necessarily want this to be where my tax dollars go, but it's that as you look around at the way that your states and cities figure out their money and what you are ultimately paying for, one of the absolutely most infuriating things that I can think of for taxpayer money to go to is to subsidize the homes of billionaires. And and that is where in this and again this this is this is exiting the conversation about like where should or do the Chiefs play and it's how do we and should we be subsidizing these stadiums but like last time through the the Chiefs got all these renovations largely taxpayer funded and then took it all the way up the Supreme Court of of Missouri to be ruled that they don't have to pay taxes on the things that Missouri taxpayers essentially bought for them they say well actually that is the property of Jackson County if you're a Jackson County resident walk into Arrowhead Stadium and see if you can watch Netflix on the Jumbotron I bet they won't let you because it's not actually your property in their eyes like it is the property of Clark Hunt as far as you could tell on a practical level even though we paid for it and so the, the thing here that I am not interested in it, and I'll tell you what, if if Clark Hunt or John Sherman or any of those ownership groups want to say, hey, whatever we're doing here, we're going to go privately funded, I, you will never hear a peep from me about it again. That is the only part of this that I'm actually drawing a line under is where the funding is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I I cannot I cannot find a whole lot of, of more widely accepted things in governmental spending that we are willing to watch taxpayers pay hundreds of millions of dollars for than publicly funded or at least largely publicly funded stadiums for sports teams, which are already a tremendous economic 
economic trick for billionaires to have in terms of how they write their taxes off and where that ultimately leads them. Again, there's some stuff that's above my head that I remember reading and thinking more people should read this, but I'm not qualified to explain all of it. Do do a little bit. I think it was a ProPublica story mm-hmm. about how, about Steve Ballmer's taxes. Go read that. Oh, my goodness. This whole thing is a and racket. The, and and thing- the only people that are getting bleeped by it are the people who are actually paying yeah. for it and not being not reaping those rewards. You buy the tickets. You buy the merch. That money goes to the team. You paying for their stadium just makes it just makes their life easier. Like we're just bribing billionaires to stay around. Like that sucks. I hate that. So where do you want the team to play? Who's willing? Who's willing to to finance this? In essence, go to go to Omaha. That's fine. You know, well, I don't actually, but like yeah. that's where and that's where it ends up. That's where it always yeah. ends up. Is the mayor of Omaha somewhere says, "Well, you know what? We'll make some money for the for Patrick Mahomes to play football here." I I totally understand that. It's who wants to finance it? I mean, that's that's. That's the question. And then how much of this palace can you make that um maybe not everybody understands the the negotiation that was that was already that had already occurred in essence. Mm-hmm. Cause look, y'all, I've been in SoFi Stadium and I'm like, who paid for this again? Mm-hmm. Who cares? <laughs> Cause obviously it's not my money, but it's it's a it's a it's a palace. It's a palace. It actually- also, hey, just you know how cool SoFi is. Hey, Clark Hunt, that stadium was actually privately funded. Crazy! Now, you have a beautiful privately funded stadium, Clark. Do it anywhere you want. Would I would, build it in your backyard? We'll it, come. Is Clark Hunt a better owner, by and large, on his overall score sheet than that owner? Yeah, but also, like, and now this is dangerous, I guess, because this is going to sound like sideswiping. But like, he inherited his dad's football team, and that that family has generational wealth at a true. tremendous level. Very like, true. I don't, but, I don't have any gripe with Clark Hunt, but I right. also don't think he'd be a bad. I think it would be cooler if he paid for his own stadium. That may not happen. No, I don't expect it to. I just wanted to complain about it and hope people would also hear that and says, "Yeah, that is messed up. Why do we let that happen?" No, won't go anywhere. I get it. <laughs> so look. Who's the governor of Missouri, Josh? Mike Parson. How 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 we feel if he uh part of his I you know, part of his legacy was not one but two teams out of out of the state. Yeah, I bet he'd feel pretty bad about that. There's yeah. some other stuff he should now, feel worse about, but that right. would be on the list. Right. But like and it wouldn't totally be on his watch because, you know, these these things happen in years from now. But just just the idea that you got to take away time from other things. Oh yeah. To be like, so what can we do? And sometimes you just want to go across the fence cuz the grass looks so green. Mhm. So green. But um this will this will take years, guys. Years. But the fact that they've put these two states at odds with one another Mm-hmm. about your football team is uh is is quite fascinating because I don't think anyone has a has a wrong argument and yeah. the, those are some of the more compelling parts of our job as we're trying to chrono you know chronalize everything sort of oversee it all sort of explain it to the best of our abilities is as I was writing that story I was like they would really tear down Arrowhead Stadium Mm-hmm. And I'm nodding my head as I'm asking my own self that question. Yes, yeah. they will blow that thing up if they can make more money and have same or even better success in a new place, in a new state, and they sorry. And they're just sorry, but here are your tickets. See you at the new stadium. And that may happen in 2031. I mean, it just might. Um, 
because you can only renovate a building for so long, um, mm. especially one of that size with that amount of years on it. And I think Mark Donovan explained that to me uh, fairly well um, to where I can't really push back a ton. So buildings come and go. Um, and I know Arrowhead is special for a lot of people. And this is why we're spending so much time on it. Uh, but as we wrap up here, if Clark Hunt feels like what's best for his team, franchise, organization is to be in Kansas or to be not in Independence, Missouri, mm-hmm. then they're going to make that decision, whether you like it or not. And they just hope that you're faithful enough to support them to see whatever it is that they're trying to build elsewhere. And that's a decision that you will ultimately have to make. Um, but that's the business of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it's a super interesting chess match that they have set up potentially between Kansas and Missouri. The, the, the thing that I keep coming back to is that the listeners of this show on either side of state line, you are the pawns. Like that is, this is not a decision that will be made with fan preference in mind or within your money in mind, certainly, except for how they could end up with more of it paying for wherever this is. Like it will be a billionaire decision. Um, and frankly, like I don't think people, I don't think people should have to owe any sort of loyalty to that because they can deal with the, the consequences of it. I'm, I'm also weird, probably a weird mediator on that one because I don't feel any more or less like t- that sporting Kansas City is genuinely Kansas mm-hmm. City than I do the mm-hmm. Chiefs or Royals. Like right. yep. that, that branding is there. The Kansas City Mavericks, you know, is you're, you're stretching, you're stretching the, the city boundaries a little bit, right? But like, I'm, I'm pretty forgiving with the larger, Kansas City. I would I would be bummed. I, I've always said that whenever we have like name change conversations, the first two words of the Chiefs name matters more to me than the third one does. Uh, and if that were to end up changing, that would be a big deal. But they would do it for money. And it's all going to be for money because everything is go money. What if we all wore those shirts? What if we what if we replace and what if we replace the chop with just doing um, like money in the club, make it rain sort of ooh, hand gestures. Ooh, and we can ooh. do that towards the owner's box. The T-shirt just says "Get my money." That's all it says. Oh, I like. Oh, I like that. Get my money. I like that. But you. But on the Kansas side, it says "Get KS money." <laughs> no, it, you got to say "Get all of KS's <laughs> money." <laughs> so uh, there you go. You can go read Nate's piece on all of that up in the Athletic. Seth's got stuff up in the Chief of the North newsletter. MNChiefsFan.substack.com. He is at real MN Chiefs fan on Twitter. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. I am at JB Briscoe. And um, I, I imagine we'll do another episode either when something big ish happens. Uh, you mentioned we're expecting to hear from Brett Veach later in the week. Certainly would think we'll, we'll do another show next week, even if there's not any new news, because at that point, you know, panic will set in and we'll get closer to the draft. So uh, plenty of times ours. We're, we're not, I don't see us going dark anytime soon. And uh, I'll let Nate end this show until the next time. Yeah, I just want to tell everybody that I would give Todd Palmer a hug in an in an instant. I, I mean, I've done it before. I don't know what what Nick Jacobs' problem is, but look, uh, that's a little fourth and one joke. Uh, again, love those fellas, but yeah, like it's um, it's around that time. Say a prayer for me, guys. It's I got to get one to a dark place where I really got to start grinding the tape. And you know, I took a little longer this year than last year because. I got to say, I've been outside a little bit more this spring, and it's done wonders for my health uh, and just overall demeanor and mood, uh, which I hope is translated here. But look, guys, I'm going to go. I'm going to look at the prospects. They're going to be near and dear to my heart. 
and then the Carolina Panthers will select that player. <laughs> so, and I'm doing this just for my job, not even for like, they don't cut me a check, okay? <laughs> They're not asking me, hey, can you look over at this D tackle from South Louisiana State? They're not, they not asking me to do that, okay? But sometimes you want to give me 10, show me the, show me the short cut ups, okay? Okay, okay. But hey, uh, and I'll mention this in a later episode, just the height. Like, we should do a look back at like Nick Bolton. Mm. because I was aware of this as it was happening. Um, and, I, and I think fans and listeners will find it to be hopefully fun and intriguing. But look, um, I've looked at all the wide receivers, guys. Mm-hmm. And I've already said, man, ain't none of these dudes going to be a chief shooter for us. <laughs> <laughs> They're all too good. I saw everyone's reply to us on Twitter about their draft crush, and I was just like, yeah, he ain't, he ain't, he ain't falling to 29. You're just going 19, <laughs> 22. 28. Oh, so close. 14. <laughs> so, seven. hey, uh, I can't wait to make my poor decisions in my own mock draft and then tell the public about it because some of the fun things is like manipulating the mock drafts and being like, look at this grade from PFF. I mean, I could do it. Sign me up right now. Where's my contract? Assistant general manager. Uh, I have to put these things in, explain them, and be like, God, this was a waste of two hours of my life because. <laughs> None of these guys are going to be here because, again, ladies and gentlemen, we all know who the general manager is. 